Welcome to the Uncivilized Podcast. My name is Trevor Bohm and I will be your host. Every week or so, I try to get myself a fascinating human on the mic for you, someone who looks at the civilized world just like you do and says no thank you. Someone who wants to break some rules, to lead, and to bring their unique vision into the world. Someone for whom the status quo simply will not do. I hope you enjoy these conversations as much as I do. Please dive in. Hey folks, welcome back to the Uncivilized Podcast. This is Trevor Boehm, your host. I am chiming in from semi-frigid Colorado, back from Costa Rica. God, it's so beautiful down there. I love living in the jungle. Hope you guys appreciated getting some podcasts outdoors with birds and water and monkeys and, and all the good things that we got to experience down there. Uh, I am recording this in a beanie, a sweatshirt, a jacket, some wool socks and long underwear. I'm recording the intro for an episode I shot down there. Uh, people ask me from time to time, where do you find your guests? And today's guest, like I imagine happens to him all the time, a fair amount of time. I met his dog. His dog, Samaya, actually, or Samia, actually let herself into our house down in Costa Rica, walked around like she owned the place, walked out. And, uh, and then I met Zarak, today's guest. And he's a really interesting dude. This is a guy, I'm sure you guys know this like cliche story. This is the guy who got successful early, had the cars, the houses, the money, the women, all the things, and realized, gosh, he just wasn't happy. Kind of a a, a regular story, huh? a story we've heard before. And so he got rid of everything. He owned restaurants, he owned bars, he owned all these businesses. He sold them all, went on a bit of a spiritual journey, and now is teaching other entrepreneurs and other powerful men how to experience satisfaction on the inside, no matter what's presenting itself on the outside. And so I know this is going to be valuable to you on a number of different levels. Like this is a guy who didn't grow up surrounded by entrepreneurs or surrounded by business people, but yet he was very, very successful at what he did. Very successful in arenas that he knew nothing about. And then also had the courage to walk away from all of that success and now pursue something completely different. So get out a pen and paper for this one. He's, he's going to drop some really important gems. And I know this is going to help you, whether you're a man, whether you're a woman, whether you're in transition, whether you're not in transition, whether you're thinking about starting something really cool, whether you've just started a venture and are realizing like, holy shit, this is harder than I thought. It's all going to be good. I also want to give you some insight into a course that I have coming up. One of the things that I am most excited about as a coach and a teacher and someone who works with both men and women is my Kill the Nice Guy course. This is a six-week course that makes guys take a good, hard look at all the things that they're doing and not doing in order to please women, in order to please their parents, in order to please somebody other than themselves. This course has radically transformed so many men's lives and truthfully, other than a tiny bit of of marketing here has outsold every other course that I have already. And it's only been out for a couple months. So if you were interested, if you feel like a nice guy or you know a nice guy, please check out manoncivilized.com forward slash kill the nice guy. Go. All right. Without further ado, it is my absolute pleasure to introduce Zarak Fatah. Enjoy. 
Zarak Fatah, welcome to the Uncivilized Podcast. I would say I've been looking forward to this for months, but we recently met. As I said in the intro, uh, I actually met your dog first here in, in Nosara. Tell me a little bit, or to, for people who don't know you, let, let's actually, even before we dive into you, mm-hmm. tell me about getting Semya. Tell me about getting your dog. Yeah, so most <laughs> people look at my dog and they're like, what the hell is this thing doing down here? So just to give a bit of context to that, my dog is a Siberian Samoyed. Meant for much colder climates. You know, she's got a double fur coat. She's this one big fluffy white ball of love. Now, what the version of her you're seeing is a version that's chopped down. Gotcha. You know, so she she's got a very short cut because despite being a dog that loves to play in stone ice, she actually also loves to go to the ocean. So, you know, when I got Samia, I did not know I'd be moving to a tropical country. So she's a bit of an oddball down here, which also makes her kind of a celebrity, which also <laughs> helps people identify who I am. So there's yeah. so many times I meet people, they're like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You're the guy with the fluffy white dog. Like, yeah, uh, yeah, 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 that's me. Uh, yeah, that's my dog. Yeah. yeah. So that's how, uh, yeah, that's how Sammy came to be a jungle bear. Gotcha. I say, I know you because she let herself into our house yeah. and just cruised around and was like, oh, there's a white dog here. And she then seen her propped on the front of your ATV yeah. looking quite queenly. She's not shy. Yeah. She's not shy. Yeah. So one of the main reasons I wanted to bring you in, brother, was you have an interesting story of transition and a story of successful transition. Would you mind giving the listeners a bit of your backstory? So before you became this iteration of, mm. of yourself. Yeah, sure. Uh, so high school dropout, got kicked out of three high schools at really 17. Uh, grew up in uh, a part of Toronto called Scarborough, which is, um, I'd say, low to middle income housing. Parents got separated. Banks took our house. I was out and working from a young age. So I got involved in nightlife at 18. And uh, just found my calling. You know, I went from being a dancer to a bartender, to a promoter, to a manager, to saving my money, to open my first restaurant in 2003. I opened a Japanese fusion restaurant called Blowfish, which was similar to kind of like a Nobu, let's say. Gotcha. And uh, from Blowfish, I opened up my first nightclub. with my. Did you say you opened your first restaurant at 18? No, 2003. Oh, okay. Yeah, 2003. Okay. At that time, I was probably... 27 years old okay. yeah no but i i got into nightlife at 18 gotcha, yeah gotcha. so opened my restaurant 2003 then we opened a club 2004 and then it was just a series of businesses one after the other so um thankfully my partner ralph and i we did really well in the toronto nightlife scene we opened up restaurants nightclubs we opened a spa hair salon music festivals wow. uh, we even launched a health supplement and yeah it was a very lucrative uh successful, exciting time in my life where, you know, created 12 companies over 15 years, Holy shit. you know, traveled to 50 countries, you know, dated beautiful women, drove exotic cars, hung out with celebrities. Right. You know, it was like, I was living life for many, 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 many years. And then I turned 40. <laughs> <That's> like, <laughs> oh shit. Um, and, you know, looking around at 40, uh, you know, when you're in your twenties, thirties, it's like 40 so far away. And then yeah. all of a sudden one day you wake up and you're 40, like, wow. Okay. Mm. And I did an evaluation, like, where am I at right now? And, you know, by 40, I thought I'd be married with kids. I thought I'd be out of nightlife and doing mm. something more fulfilling. And I thought I would be well on my way to financial freedom. Truth is I was lonely and uh felt like i was dating the same woman in a different body yeah. i was repeating relationships repeating patterns and wondering why i haven't found my you know, divine partner mm-hmm. i was uh feeling stuck didn't love my job anymore and then it got to a point where it's like i dreaded going to the club or going to the restaurant and 
the, at that time, uh, both businesses, well, most of my businesses at that time were not doing well. So uh, my complacency and mm. need to travel and jet set around was now taking a toll on my business. And I was, I was in debt because I was blowing money like, uh, like a trust fund millionaire, which mm -hmm. I wasn't. And, uh, <laughs> and it just, it was a perfect storm, you know, gotcha. that all culminated on my 40th birthday. And I just had to step back and say, what the fuck am I doing? What's going on here? Okay. You know, and thankfully a really good friend, uh, introduced me to the world of personal development and she bought me the landmark forum, gotcha. uh, three and a half, if you're familiar yeah. with it, three and a half day personal professional, uh, course. And that really blew open my, uh, perspective as to why I was in that position at that point in time in my life. So okay. that was a big shift for me where I got to really, uh, see my identity. Mm. And uh, once I saw that identity and understood why I became that way, I could then go to work on that. So, you know, it ultimately was, I was making choices and living a lifestyle that was out of alignment with who I want to be and where mm -hmm. I wanted to go. So that's when I dove deep into the world of personal development, hiring coaches, going mm -hmm. on retreats, mm -hmm. attending summits and forums, and, yeah. and just surrounding myself by really, really smart people who were on the other side of my journey. Mm -hmm. And the deeper I got into personal development and the deeper I got into myself, the more I realized like, my nightlife and restaurant days are done. Like, I don't want to open another club. That would have been the easier option, but I didn't want to be that creepy 50 year old guy, yeah. you know, out with a bunch of 20 year old models. So nothing wrong with that. If you're one of those guys out there, nothing wrong, no judgment, just saying, I didn't want to be that guy. So, you know, I, I, I had to stop and ask myself, well, what the hell do I do now? You know, I've been doing that for 25 years and I'm really good at it, but I mean, I don't, I don't know what I want to do. Right. And I had to take a look at, okay, like, what am I most passionate about? You know, I, I love travel. I love good food. I love fitness. I love adventure. I love learning. I love meet like-minded people. And I knew that a lot of people were oblivious to the work that I was doing. A lot of people didn't know about Landmark or mm. about, you know, these different personal development courses out there. So I thought, how could I share what I've learned with people? Because I knew what a difference it's made for me. And I knew that a lot of people in my circle they were also oblivious to this work. So I thought, okay, you know, what am I really good at? I said, well, you know, I'm a great marketer. I know how to create experiences. Mm -hmm. I'm good at enrolling people. I have creativity. You know, how could I utilize my skills, fuel my passion and provide the impact of sharing this work with people? Cause mm -hmm. you know, there's a lot of, a lot of people out there who are in my situation mm -hmm. who've done well, life is good, but something's missing. Mm -hmm. You know, there's something that, could take them from good to great, but they just, they're not, they're not in touch with what is really with what's missing. They don't even know what's out of balance for them. They just know that they don't like the way they feel. Right. And that's where the idea to create my retreat company came from. Cause I okay. thought how epic would it be to take people on amazing vacations, to beautiful places like Costa Rica or Bali and share with them the most fundamental profound tools that have made a shift for me. Like I never did breath work seven years ago. Right. You know, I didn't know what, journaling i don't want to you know i don't want to journal <laughs> what you am know? i gonna write down yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you know by learning those modalities and trying different things you know each one of those you know new skills techniques exercises played a part in me making this massive shift in my life so the idea to host people in beautiful countries take them on awesome adventures and teach them this work sounded like uh the right job for me so it was during my first retreat that i hosted here in Nosada in 2018 that I knew like, this is what I want to do. Like this is, yeah. this, this had me feel lit up in a way that I hadn't felt in a while. Mm -hmm. And in that moment, 
you know, I was down at La Luna, which I know you're very familiar with and watching sunset and seeing this group of 12 people laughing, hugging, crying, sharing. And I just knew like, this is it. This is what I want to do. And in that moment, I pulled out my phone. I emailed my partner and I said, I'm done. We're shutting down the restaurant, selling it for what we can. And I'm I'm ready to walk away. And at that time I was a majority owner and had over a million dollars of my own money in the restaurant. But I was like, I, I'm not, I'm not going to run this restaurant for another six, seven, eight years, hoping to get that million dollars back. Yeah. Because I just, I'm, I'm ready to let it go because I had found something. Well, I, I had thought I had found something like it felt, yeah. my gut was telling me like, yeah. you know, it's time and this is it. So yeah, uh, that's, that's what brought me to Costa Rica. Wow. That's, that's really like the catalyst for the big change. And um, yeah. And it's, it's interesting because people who've known me for yeah. this, this whole, you know, from 10, 15 years ago to now, they're just like, what the like you're like, yeah first people don't believe me they're like okay yeah right okay like, you're like a coach now and you're hosting retreats okay like what is this some new marketing tactic right yeah people were definitely skeptical at first because you know i was very much living a polar opposite life you know yeah. like i used to get take people to the club get them drunk right or they get high right to numb themselves from the problems in life sure and now i could bring people to the jungle right have them drink kombucha Maybe they do some mushrooms yeah. and they face their problems in life. Right. You know, so it's, it's 180. Yeah. But there's also a lot of very similar parallels because mm-hmm. like when I was like throwing parties and music festivals, so I book a venue, book a DJ, hire the bartenders and mm-hmm. servers mm-hmm. and throw an epic dance party. Mm-hmm. Now I book a villa, mm-hmm. a hire a yoga instructor, mm-hmm. I book a Ayurvedic chef mm-hmm. and I host people for one week yeah. trip. So yeah. there's yeah. a lot of parallels, mm-hmm. but done with a different intention right so sure. yeah it's pretty pretty funny how it's all kind of come around yeah yeah i appreciate you sharing this man now i want to i want to kind of tease apart a couple aspects of it yeah what do you think so you didn't grow up in a house full of mbas i imagine and definitely not so what was it about you that made you successful early on mm-hmm. i'm just gonna throw a couple questions out just so i don't forget sure. what made you successful early on what gave you the courage to go, okay, I'm a million bucks in, but my heart is saying do something else. Yeah. And then third question, if we remember it, how did you navigate all of this with a business partner? Because mm-hmm. a lot of my audience, mm. the challenge is like, hey, I want to get out. Yeah. But I got a I got a guy here who I've worked with, or we've been friends since we were, you know, kids or whatever. Uh, so if you could kind of walk sure. us through that, what about you made you successful in that business mm-hmm. despite not having classical, it's called training? Yeah. So my mom was a secretary. My dad was a courier. My dad also left school at an early age and there was a lot of fighting going on between my parents. Mm-hmm. So I didn't grow up with very much guidance or discipline. I just learned to navigate life trusting my intuition, just going with kind of what felt right. You know, say ignorance is a bliss. And for me, ignorance was a blessing because mm-hmm. I didn't know what I was or wasn't supposed to do. I just, whatever kind of felt right for me, I just, I just did it not knowing that I could fail, not knowing, like not acknowledging the the what ifs of what could happen. Mm-hmm. I just kind of moved forward with what felt right for me. So okay. my intuition has guided me well in life. And I've always thought, well, if that guy could do it or that woman can do it, why can't I? Like, what's the difference between him and I? That's why I love reading autobiographies. I love learning the way someone like Andre Agassi or, mm-hmm. you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger mm-hmm. thinks like, what do they drink in the morning? Like, right. what do they read? You know, right. I, I want to like really understand the mindset of highly successful people. 
And for me, it's just always been like, well, if someone else has done it, I can do it, mm-hmm. you know? And because I've started with nothing and created so much, I, and I taught myself a lot that mm-hmm. I have this internal confidence that even though I'm a high school dropout, and even though I come from parents who, you know, we had a house taken from us, you know, at a young age, it's like, you can start with nothing. Mm-hmm. And if you want it bad enough, and you work towards it every day, you can make it happen. And it's actually the gym that taught me that. No because kidding. yeah, I, uh, so I grew up, I, I like to, so I kind of had the body of ET. <laughs> Skinny arms and legs and a yeah. little belly, you know, that, that's what I look like. And, you know. That's a tough story. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so my dad, you know, being from Pakistan, uh, didn't know anything about baseball, hockey, football, soccer, none of that. Yeah. He, I mean, he liked watching cricket, but like, you know, I never had him teaching me anything like that. So when it came to school, I was always the last kid to get picked for any team, you know? So for me, I was always intimidated and scared to play sports. Mm. So I shied away from that. And it wasn't until I was 17 years old that a friend of mine, her older brother, you know, asked me like, what do I do? for sports or athletic. I told him I play video games. He's yeah. like, yeah, yeah, no kid, that's not going to work. You're, <laughs> you're coming to the gym with me. And like, he, he was like captain of the football team, champion kickboxer, good looking dude. I'm like, you want to take me to the gym? Yeah. Okay, cool. And this is really important for anybody out there who's a mentor or has a gift to share with younger people. Mm. That guy taking me to the gym three times changed the trajectory of my life. Wow. Okay. He took me to the gym where I t- normally would have felt intimidated. I never would have walked in there. Sure. He taught me what, bench presses he right. taught me curls and just that little bit of guidance gave me the confidence to step in there and because i had never done any sports and i had never really uh built up my confidence in that way the fact that okay now i'm in the gym and now this is up to me nobody mm-hmm. has to pick me for this mm-hmm. it's me versus me mm-hmm. and i choose whether or not i want to do this i don't need someone to select me yeah so you know i i Dove into the gym. I was training every day, you know, partly because I didn't want to disappoint Chris Shaw and I also wanted to like be like him. And, you know, day after day, week after week, month after month, you know, you put the reps in, you do the work, even when no one's watching you, when no one's counting, you know, and one day you look in the mirror and you see a different you. Yeah. And that's what happened. Three, four months into training, like I started to have little pecs and little bit of. <laughs> arms i was like damn this is working this is working and what it taught me is like do the work even when it doesn't matter to no one you just keep in the work and day in day out and you will Mm -hmm. see the results and and that transformation of my body transformed my confidence and transformed my ability to believe in myself and then i brought that discipline and commitment into everything i did knowing that i changed my body because i said so and and, you know the gym really was what kept me from really becoming a big drinker Mm -hmm. you know working nightlife i didn't go to after parties i wasn't getting high on blow or Mm -hmm. fucking around like that because like i knew i want to get up in the morning go for a run i want to get in the morning crush your workout yeah so really the gym for me in in many ways was kind of like um almost religious in the sense it's yeah. what kept me in line kept me uh connected to what was most important so yeah so you know um i i learned that also growing up in scarborough if i wanted to get the hell out of there i had to find something of my own i had to i had to create my world because my parents they gave me the basics food on the table roof over the head you know very very Walmart load spent clothes on my back. Sure. And, you know, it was probably when I was 15 or 16, I started hanging out with an uncle of mine who's a little bit older. He's about 19. He started taking me out to like all ages club and stuff. And I started seeing like 
fashion and the downtown mm-hmm. nightlife and mm-hmm. like i was like wow this is this is how people live like wow there's a whole other you know world to me and and i would work through the summer to buy clothes to to go back to school looking fly and yeah going out and it was through you know being social through dressing well i built my confidence started to attract girls yeah. started to be the guy who knew people downtown so nightlife really helped me develop my persona so I learned that I'm in control of my life. I put in the work and I can create whatever version of me that I want and that it's all out there. It's all possible. You just got to decide that you want it and that you're, you know, courageous enough to step into it. So I had that self-confidence at a young age because I saw that it was possible. Now, of course, I had my insecurities and there's layers of a lot of Of stuff there. But yeah, that's really what had me kind of step out. And because I was curious and I didn't um, doubt myself, I was also open to exploring all kinds of different Mm. uh, opportunities. So for me, anything that's interesting, I pursue it and I don't limit myself to any specific, you know, communities or any specific, um, you know, type of activities. I like to try it all to see what resonates. So that, that was really what played a part in my success. Um, is having that open-minded perspective and the resilience and belief in myself that, you know what, if other people have done it, I can do it. I love it. Thank you. I really appreciate you bringing up uh, the gym. Mm -hmm. It's, I have an athletic background and yet know so many guys that are afraid of the gym and so many guys who reach out and say like, Hey, here's where I'm at. I'm at like three or four different rock bottoms. Where do I even start? Mm -hmm. I say, do 20 pushups. You know why? It's free. You don't have to go to, you don't have to put clothes on. You don't have to go to a gym membership. You don't have to hire anybody. Just do 20 fucking pushups. And if you do that, you will feel different. Mm -hmm. You do that tomorrow. You'll feel it. And you keep adding the moment you see that first shift in your body. It's like, I have agency. Yeah. I can, I can do something other than just be stuck in this lot Mm -hmm. in life. Uh, and you mentioned, was was Arnold one of your mentors or one of your... Well, I mean, of course, every young guy growing up watching yeah. videos, you see Arnold and like, you know, he's got such an amazing life story, yeah. you know, and his autobiography is Bonkers. awesome, you know? Right. So, yeah. Right yeah. on. Well, I appreciate you bringing that. Talk to me about, so you've had this success. Mm-hmm. One, because I, I, I really want to know, how did you avoid the, the, the from what I know of the entertainment community... Mm-hmm it's a lot of drinking. It's yeah. a lot of blow. It's a lot of late mm-hmm. nights. It's a lot of staff only parties on Sunday night. Yeah. How did you avoid that? Yeah. And then, sorry, then secondarily, how did you walk away from all of that sense of identity? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a, that's a good one. So uh, first off, I avoided it because, you know, as a bartender and promoter, I drank and I had fun. However, I was making a lot of money and I was mm-hmm. like, I'm not going to fuck this up. Like, this is like, this is my ticket here. You know, like I'm like when I was promoting my partner and I, we were making five, six grand cash each at 25, 26 years old. And I was like, like that's a night uh, a week. Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, we had some, yeah, we had some monster nights where we would make at that age. That's epic. Oh yeah. Like this is going back in the early 2000s, you know, to be making that kind of money, especially cash. I just knew like, okay, I'm onto something good here. Mm -hmm. And um composure professionalism and um our ability to really provide a high level of customer service is what differentiated us from i mean at the time there weren't a lot of nightlife promoters in toronto so my partner ralph and i we we spent a lot of time in new york and la and miami so we saw how the best 
in those uh, industries or in those cities were doing it. So, you know, we brought uh, a level of creativity and professionalism to nightlife that really made our events unique. And I knew like, um, like the, the, the party, the vibe, the money, the friends was enough for me. Like I didn't need cocaine. I was high when I walked into work. It's like, yeah. holy shit, this is what I get to do for work. And I'm making thousands of dollars. Tonight. <laughs> right, like, right, I'm right. not screwing this one right. up, you know? So it was just the success and the, the drive to uh, create and continue success is what really kept me there. And also like I would go to Miami and get, you know, drunk. Sure. You know, uh, I was never really into coke or anything like that. Like I loved MDMA back in my rave days, but sure. you know, you do some Molly and you're out commission for two, three days, you right, know? So right. for me, I go to Miami, get wasted, have fun. Yeah. But like, I would do it when I don't got to worry about what's the count at the front door. Is right. DJ playing good music? Are the VIPs being taken care of? Like, I want right. to go and get drunk when I don't got nothing to worry about, you yeah. know? So I would save my trips when I was out of town. And, you know, the thing is, you never know who's watching you, right? Mm. And many, many years later, somebody would approach me and talk about business idea. And he said, you know, we don't know each other, but I've been watching you for years. Mm. I've never seen you drunk. Wow. He's like, and the fact so, that you were huge. doing what you're doing for so many years, I've never seen you drunk. That tells me you're the kind of guy I want to do business with. Wow. You know, so you never know who's watching you, right? Yeah. So... I created this identity being Zark, you know, so I used to go by Zark for many, many years. For those of you who might check out my social media, Zark was a name I took on because it was easier than Zark. You know, Mark sounded, Zark sounded like Mark. It's easy to say, <laughs> yeah. right? So I was Zark, the King Street club guy. You know, people used to even call me the King of King Street, which sounds very I don't know, egotistical, but you know, <laughs> yes, I, yeah. and I used to, you know, like I said, fancy cars, super hot girls, penthouse. Like I lived that life and, you know, and my, my identity was, you know, thriving. It was like, and yeah. it made the little kid who didn't get mm. accepted or was picked on and bullied. It made him feel, feel a lot better about himself. I bet. However, you know, it was all very superficial. Now, I do have beautiful, amazing friends who supported me throughout that whole journey. Like, even though it's a very, superficial lifestyle i have some rock solid friends that have been with me from day one yeah and i didn't get caught up because i knew that i know who my friends are when they call me sunday morning when there's no guest list for you no dinner reservations mm -hmm. no after party mm -hmm. like my friends are the ones who want to see me and spend time with me not for the car i drive or the vip access i can give them so i always was i would say very uh grounded mm -hmm. and um clear on this is a role I play. This is a job I do, mm. a service I provide. And as a result, there's a profile attached to that, but that's, that's part of who I am, but not what I'm really about. So I was clear on that distinction. However, did you know that back then? Were you conscious enough? I, even I, that I was, yeah, yeah. I, I did have a good understanding of okay. it because um, it was just, it was just pretty obvious. Like, like, I got treated like a celebrity everywhere I went, you know, sure. like, I mean, there was never a shortage of beautiful women available to me. And like, and I got invited to all kinds of amazing parties and events around the world, you know? Yeah. And, and I knew it was because, you know, we brought a certain element to whatever it was we did. Right. And grateful for all of it, it was super fun. I have no regrets for any of that stuff because sure. I got to live a rock star lifestyle without being a rock star. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. I just wish I was making that rock star money, <laughs> but you know, so, um, the first time it really, really hit me when I made this shift and I knew like, okay, I'm transitioning out of that. 
I was in Florida. Now my restaurant Blowfish was very successful, very well known. It'd been around for 15 years. Like anybody who's anyone who's in town came in there for dinner. So if I was traveling to LA or Miami, New York, you know, I met someone, oh, I've been to Toronto. I'm like, oh, cool. Did you ever dine at Blowfish? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that restaurant was amazing. Blah, 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 blah. Like, oh, you know. <clears throat> I'm the owner, you know, and it was like my calling card of credibility. So I'm in Miami. I meet this woman. She's from Toronto, but living in Miami for 10 years. I said to her, oh, have you ever eaten a blowfish? She's like, oh, my, my husband and I, we went on our first date there. I'm like, oh, no way. I'm yeah. like, yeah, you know, I uh, I used to own blowfish. Mm. And also, I'm like, I used to own oh, blowfish. I'm like, I used to own blowfish. Yeah. And it hit me like I was talking about someone who had passed away. Like, wow. it hit me like. I don't own blowfish anymore. Yeah. And I get you, I had spent one third of my life in that restaurant, right? Yeah. And that was a business that took me from being a nightclub promoter to a restaurant tour. Right. And every club promoter wants to be a restaurant tour mm-hmm. because it's just, I don't know, it's just something cool and sex about owning a restaurant, right? And it gave me credibility. Yeah. And I was like, wow, I don't own blowfish anymore. And then, you know, after blowfish was that I don't own Maison Mercer anymore and that I don't own mm. Everly anymore. And then I don't own Hamam anymore. And one by one, these pieces of my identity were disappearing. Yeah. They were no longer there. And there was a couple of years there when I transitioned out of that and I wasn't quite so established in what I'm doing now that. I actually didn't like going back to Toronto because when I would go back, I didn't know where I fit anymore. Yeah. I didn't have that identity to hold on to. I, mm-hmm. I was like, Hey, well, I'm not the nightlife guy anymore. I'm kind of the, and I, in my mind, I'm like, I'm like the old washed up guy who doesn't really, you know, matter anymore. <laughs> and, you know, I'm like doing this coaching thing or retreat thing in Costa Rica, but that hasn't really taken off yet. Yeah. Like what, what, like I was in this transitional stage and part of me had a lot of resentment and regret over the choices I've made because mm. I wasn't in a good financial position when I first moved here. Sure. Thought about all the money I'd blown and some of the business mistakes I've made. And it was, it was the unraveling of that identity was painful yeah. because a lot of friends also didn't understand me. What the fuck you're living in the jungle. You're doing what, as I mentioned before, people were skeptical. So I had lost what I thought was credibility. I had lost, I think the, um, the French friendship of some people, yeah. you know, they didn't, we didn't relate to each other sure, anymore sure, as sure. I made this, you know, shift, they didn't, you know, align anymore. And it was, uh, it was this, it was a tough transition, letting go of all of that. And at the same time, trying to stay positive and focused on building the next thing and just continuing to trust myself and say like, no, you're on the right path. Yeah. You're doing what you need to. Right. You've been successful before. You've started with nothing. You can do that again. Yeah. The difference is when you're starting from nothing at 24 and you're starting from, I don't want to say nothing, but you're starting sure. over again. It feels like at nothing. 44. It's, yeah. It's a big, it's a big difference. Yeah. 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 What, what did you, what did you draw upon other than self-confidence? And the reason mm-hmm. I'm asking is that gray zone, that like part of the hero's journey when you haven't fully come back yeah. into the new thing mm-hmm. or you're not, you're not like, I'm going to use the word famous, but you're not known for the new yeah. thing. What did you draw on, on like the darker moments or the quieter moments? Yeah. You're like, fuck, I don't know if this will work. Mm-hmm. Or did you ever get to that point? Well, yeah, there was a point for sure where I hosted summer retreats and they lost money, Yeah, you know? And what kept me going was I knew that like, 
I'm being of service right now. Mm. And these people who are coming on the retreats, even though I might not be making a lot of money, that person's going home a different human. Yeah. You know, so I knew like I'm serving my purpose and that everything's happening the way it's supposed to. And I was able to let go of the regret and resentment I had mm. because I was able to see the lessons. Mm-hmm. I was able to have gratitude for all the ups and downs that I had gone through and the punch in the face of losing a million dollars, especially when COVID hit. When COVID hit, I was like, okay, I get it. So this is all part of the plan, you know, because if I had gone back, kept running my restaurant, you know, I was about to renovate, bring on new investors and sign a new 10 year lease. If I had gone through that whole process and COVID had hit, I would have been so screwed. You know, so for me, I learned to trust that the universe has a plan for all of us. Mm -hmm. And if you stay open, if you step forward, even when you don't know where the next step is, the universe favors the bold. Mm. And when you trust source, you believe in yourself and you wake up every day and you ask yourself, what can I do to get one step closer to my dream, my goal? The universe rewards you for that. And the synchronicities, the opportunities, the alignment that was happening in my life, I just knew like, okay, I'm on the right path because Everything I need is being given to me. Mm -hmm. It's all flowing together. I just have to stick with doing the work every day and realize like, yeah, I was very successful doing something that took me 25 years to build. Right. I'm not going to have the same success in 12 months. Right. It's going to take a few years. Right. And just learning to be patient, continuing to trust, continuing to surrender and just also be easy on myself, you know, because as a lot of like driven, successful alpha male types, it's like, we're so hard on ourselves. Yeah. We beat up on ourselves and just have such high expectations. And, you know, that's when it's really important to have love and compassion for yourself and know, like, look, you're exactly where you're supposed to be. You know? Yeah. It's never a direct path from A to B. It is a winding, twisting, bumping road that might feel like a, crazy roller coaster yeah. but you know when shit gets crazy you just got to throw your hands up in the air enjoy the ride and just know like okay yeah it's, it's all part of the journey so you know trust surrender consistency persistence and um and just not being afraid to ask for help you know yeah. just just finding those people who, who are on the other side of your journey and and just asking reaching out and just yeah. uh getting whatever guidance you can yeah, yeah. so important. I'm so yeah. glad you're honest about it. Yeah. I love reading biographies too. And I, I remember the first time listening to, I think either he spoke it or wrote it. Tim Ferriss said, there was a year of my life mm. where I just lay on a couch and he didn't say the word porn. Mm. He said, I looked at websites I shouldn't have been looking at. Yeah. And I was like, you, yeah. but you're Tim Ferriss. Yeah. How could this possibly be? Yeah. And I think so many of the alpha entrepreneurial, I can just do it men specifically, especially if they've come from a successful position, they, we have like a success expectation. Mm-hmm. You forget that like, just cause you're a black belt in one sport, yeah. you, you're going to, I welcome to be in a white belt again. <laughs> you sure. need your ass handed to you yeah. over and over. I appreciate your honesty, man. Yeah. Hope you guys are loving this conversation with Zarak. I certainly had a great time doing this interview. I have a quick favor for you. If you wouldn't mind going to iTunes, to Spotify, to wherever you're listening to this, 
And please leave us a review. I know you people fast forward through these and it's kind of a pain even for me to ask, but it really does help grow the podcast. And as I've said for two years, this podcast is growing thanks to all of you sharing, supporting, uh, getting the word out. So please take a moment and do that. And let me know if you listen to this. Shoot me a DM on Instagram. I'm at Traver Bohm, T-R-A-V-E-R-B-O-E-H-M. I would love to hear from you. All right, back to Zarak. Would you mind sharing a little bit of how you navigated your partnership? Yeah. I think that's a, that's a yeah. sticky one for a lot of people. For sure. Because, you know, when you start thinking about closing down a business or a business is losing money and you're, you know, one of the majority partners, investors, um, yeah, it sucks. You know, when I closed Blowfish, one of my bartenders who had invested 50K into the project, I had to tell him, like, you're your investment's gone. Mm-hmm. My million dollars is gone, mm-hmm. you know, and there's no one person to blame here. It's just, this is just how, how it went down, you know, and, and that's tough. And, you know, communicating as authentically as possible, mm-hmm. taking ownership for what you're responsible for and just, you know, doing what you can to mm-hmm. make things right. You know, like when we sold the restaurant off, I paid all the debts and taxes. I paid the staff back wages. Uh, even my manager had loaned the company some business. He got paid back. Like literally for the money we sold it for, I, I took nothing. And, and with my partners in the club, they had seen that I was already drifting away. They mm. saw my heart wasn't into mm-hmm. it anymore. Mm-hmm. And I just had to be honest with them and say, look, it's, I'm not happy being here. I want to move on to something else. Yeah. And, you know, thankfully they were very understanding and, um, and compassionate to my situation because they knew like I was the one who put the concept together. I was the one who was really helping drive the ship for a very long time. And they saw that just my heart wasn't in it anymore. So I was just open with them and Mm -hmm. I knew like I might walk away and they may just kind of like, I don't want to say cut me off, but you know, I might not be included in certain dividends or mm-hmm. salaries anymore, but they were very understanding with me. And thankfully, because we had a great relationship for so many years, they were able to help me through the transition. Okay. But, you know, there were definitely some people who were disappointed. There were sure. people who lost money yeah. and, you know, I was the one to take the biggest hit out of all of them. So I think they saw that, you know, they probably felt a little bit bad for me as well, because like whatever they lost, I lost, you know, 10 times that, you know? So again, it really depends on the connection that you have with your partners before this all goes down, Mm -hmm. you know, and I've had multiple partners in multiple businesses and it's not easy because, you know, partnership is really like a marriage, you know? So when you are getting ready to leave your wife and leave the marriage, you know, um, it needs to be communicated in a really honest truthful, vulnerable, compassionate way, Yeah, you know, and just, and, and hope that the other person you're speaking to, um, understands you and wants the best for you as well. Yeah. So yeah, wasn't an easy conversation to have some of my partners got it and wished me luck and supported me. And then others were disappointed because, you know, they lost money too. Yeah. It's a sticky proposition. Like it, I, I've, I've often described it as a marriage where all you talk about is money and you don't have makeup sex. Yeah. Right. So yeah. It's like yeah. You're, you're in it. Yeah. And if there isn't a human to human of, Hey, I care about you. Mm-hmm. I get that we built this thing and now you're leaving it and that hurts and yeah. that's painful. But 
as a human, I want you to it's just like a breakup. Totally. I get it. Where yeah. this doesn't work anymore. Shit. That mm-hmm. sucks. Yeah. And I, I want you to do well in the yeah. world. So Rock, what, what drives you now? Mm. You've, you've used yeah. the word service. Yeah. And I'm curious, it's, it's, is it like a service entrepreneurship mixed together? Like, how do you frame your, the next chapter for yourself? Yes. Yeah, so, you know, everything I've created has been inspired by my own personal realization, my own journey. And uh, as I mentioned before, like, you know, creating the retreat company was because I want to share what I was learning with other people. And even when we were creating our restaurants and clubs, I would be in Miami or LA or London, experience something so amazing. Like, oh, I got to bring this back home and inspire me to create something of my own vision, you know, back in Toronto. Now, the world is going through a massive shift. (laughs) If you haven't noticed, there's some shit going on here. And I, I lived the first 40 years of my life pretty unconscious. Okay. I'd say I was always intuitive. I've always considered myself spiritual, but I lived without intention. Mm -hmm. I was just caught up in the matrix program Mm -hmm. of work hard, buy nice shit, look cool, bang hot chicks, you know, Mm -hmm. and maybe one day I'll have a kid or something Mm -hmm. like that. You know, that's your coming to consciousness. Yeah. Maybe I'll make life. And, (laughs) and after having my, you know, realization after doing this deep work, I've discovered that there's so much more life in our existence and not even our, the, our existence in this life, in our soul's journey. Mm. And that really the, the real reason for our life is for our soul to deal with the challenges, the experiences, the triumphs to evolve our consciousness so that we leave this lifetime in a more evolved state that our consciousness has a chance to evolve to the next level. Our soul has a chance to heal, to grow, Mm -hmm. to expand. Mm -hmm. And ultimately I believe that's why we're all here. Each and every one of us is Mm -hmm. a sliver of that divine consciousness that's come down in this human form that now, you know, another round of the video game. Let's see how many, you know, coins you can catch. And yeah, I love using the analogy of super Mario brothers, you know, eating some mushrooms, jumping on some dragons, <laughs> get the girl, get the coin. Then you, you do well enough. You move to the next level. Yeah. If you don't, you drop down a level, you know? So, so you just uh, summed up consciousness pretty in, much in yeah. 25 seconds. <laughs> super Mario brothers, man. Eat mushrooms, get coins, fight dragons, get the girl. There you go. All right, folks. <laughs> Life explained by yeah. Zara Kletha. Yeah. So we're gonna name the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so and actually there's a funny meme I'll send you later. And uh it's um yeah, it's the cops, two cops are talking, and Super Mario's sitting there in handcuffs, and he's like, Yeah, he's talking about coins and killing dragons and rescuing the girl. <laughs> yeah. And now we found him about a bunch of mushrooms in his pocket, yeah. and it all makes sense, you know. I loved it when I um so you know in my own journey of realizing that okay i and eckhart tolle explains this really well that we fulfill our outer purpose Mm. the cars the job title Mm. the house the superficial accomplishments and possessions whatever it is that we strive to achieve we want to achieve our outer purpose to make ourselves feel better about who we don't think we are Mm. 
And then you get the car, you get the wife, the husband, the cottage, the boat. And then you realize, okay, this stuff's all great, but I'm still feeling empty. I'm still feeling like something's missing. Right. And sometimes, mm-hmm. unfortunately, it's when people get sick, mm-hmm. they lose a partner, they their company goes bankrupt, something life-altering happens to them, and they take a step back and they're mm-hmm. like, whoa hell am I doing? Mm -hmm. Where am I putting my time and energy? Like, is this really important to me? Does Mm -hmm. this really matter? And that's why I think COVID is such a blessing. And the pandemic has really accelerated an awakening Mm -hmm. that I feel was already happening was people had the time to step back and reevaluate their lives. And it's in those moments, like when I turned 40, that I said, okay, what am I doing? Is this really what my life is going to be about? selling expensive vodka and sushi. Like, no, that's what my life's not about. And I, right. I wasn't born to do that. Right. And when you start pursuing your inner purpose, which is true fulfillment, mm. when it is making a difference, you know, I believe humans innately, we all want to matter. We all want to feel like our 80, 90, 100 years on this planet is going to mean something. Mm-hmm. We start looking for deeper significance and start questioning our purpose. What is the meaning of our life? Right. And you start to do the work to uncover that. You realize that we all have our own divine purpose. We all have our own unique gifts as to why we are here during this time. Mm. And I believe each and every one of us has a purpose and a unique gift to offer humanity, to give back to the planet. Mm. And it's until you get complete, it's until you get to a place where you heal your wounds. Yep. You heal as much as you can and become as complete as you can that you can then start thinking, feeling, acting on, well, how do I share this with others? Mm -hmm. How do I, how do I give back? How do I help others to heal? And, you know, as I mentioned, for me, after doing these courses and making this big shift, I was like, other people need to know about this. Like, how do I share this? So Mm -hmm. I believe ultimately all of us at some point, we want to be of service. We want to give back because nothing is more fulfilling or rewarding than knowing that I matter. I make a difference. I help people, you know, even if it's one person in your lifetime that you are able to make a difference for, you know, when you're taking your last breaths at the end of your life, you don't think about the fancy cars. You don't think about the watches or the bottles of champagne you popped, you know, Mm. you think about, did my time matter? Mm-hmm. Did I leave this world a better place than I entered it? Mm-hmm. You know, did, shows, yeah. did I, did I live enough, love enough, laugh enough? You know, yeah. did I, did I make a difference? I yeah. think it's what everybody really at the end of their life mm-hmm. asks themselves. And, you know, they don't regret what they did. They regret what they didn't do. Mm-hmm. When you tune into your purpose and you're able to make a difference and give back and know that your legacy will live on in the impact that you have had on other people. Mm-hmm. That's what life's about. Mm-hmm. You know, because as you take your last breath and you think about this amazing life that you had, or maybe not so amazing life you had, mm-hmm. those peak moments are when you really felt like you mattered and you made a difference for others. So for me, I know that the work I do now changes the trajectory of people's lives. I know the men that I work with are going to be different fathers. The children that they're raising are going to be different humans as a result of the work that we do together. And I I consider that a very bold statement. I consider that a statement I'm very proud of saying that because I healed myself and I'm still healing, I'm still 
working on lots of my own stuff, but because of the work that I'm doing, I'm able to help other men and women become more complete, which means they're able to now go out and help others in their family, friends, community be more complete. And that is a work so that when we heal ourselves, we heal the world. You know, I mean, it's, it's a very popular quote and it's true. So, you know, if we want to change the world, we need to make the changes within ourselves so that we can show up for everybody in, in the most complete, powerful way um, that we have to offer. And that's why, you know, that's what drives me to do this work. This is why I'm constantly learning. Um, I'm constantly up-leveling. You know, I did my breathwork teacher training last week. Yeah. You know, I'm going to this retreat in Austin with uh, Aubrey Marcus next week. Oh, beautiful. And, you know, I'm just, I'm always looking to grow and expand because I know that as you pull back the layers and you think, oh, okay, I'm a good place. I'm done. You pull back the layers. Oh, look at more yeah. shit there, you know? And, and that's the beauty of life. As I said, our soul will constantly be challenged. We'll constantly be given opportunities to face adversity, mm-hmm. to grow, to expand mm-hmm. and to get more mushrooms and stuff on more dragons <laughs> so you can get more coins and get the princess, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Brother. Well, this has been brilliant. I appreciate you coming in. Uh, I appreciate just how open you are at sharing yeah. and, and just how you're living your life. I hope you do take a moment from time to time. And I think one of the challenges of guys who are as busy as you are and are doing as much is that it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah I know I'm helping people. This is my life. And I need to get the, the next chef for the next workshop mm, or the next yeah. thing. Uh, so I honor you. Yeah, thank I you. I truly hope that you, you recognize the difference that you're making. Thank you. Yeah, it is. Uh, I've been doing this long enough now to see how the work I do with my clients is actually affecting and impacting their life. Yeah. You know, and, and you touched on one thing I just want to comment on. It's like the vulnerability is that I, for many years, projected that 1% highlight reel from my Instagram life. Yep. Showing everybody the fancy car I was driving, the private jet I was in, the VIP party. And that's what I want the world to believe. Yeah. That I, what my life was about. And it wasn't until I realized that we have a responsibility, especially for those of you who might be listening to have an audience, community, or whatever, that when we can show up authentically, be vulnerable let others know like, yeah, I'm lost. I'm confused. I'm Mm -hmm. in debt. I'm broke. I'm sad. I'm Mm -hmm. struggling. When I was vocal about my struggles, I created a space where people felt comfortable to step in and share what they were going through as well. Mm -hmm. It's like in my vulnerability, it was giving others permission to step up and say the same. And why I work specifically with men is because a lot of men don't feel that they have anyone they can talk to. Mm-hmm. Most men grew up, don't be a pussy, boys don't cry, nobody right. wants to hear your shit. Right. But the truth is, is it's okay to talk about your stuff. There are men's groups, there are obviously you, your community, mm-hmm. uh, opportunities to step forth and be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing to be ashamed of. We all fall down. Right. You know, most successful people in the world have fallen down, gone bankrupt, been addicted, mm-hmm. had their challenges. And it's in perseverance and overcoming those challenges and just asking for help and being open, authentic, and vulnerable that you become stronger, more resilient. And most importantly, you're being a leader. You're showing others Mm. that it's okay. 
we all fall down and the key is to just keep getting back up and uh-huh. there's nothing wrong with asking for help. So yeah. I just want to point that out because for many, many years, I was not vulnerable. I was not open. I was yeah. closed off and I projected that image. And one of the most, I would say, profound things for me was learning the power of vulnerability and not being afraid to say like, yeah, I was in debt. Yeah. I was lonely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I fucked up mm-hmm. a lot, a lot. And, yeah. you know, and, and here I am. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, we were talking about Joe Rogan earlier yeah. you know, and yeah, I just listened to the video. He said, yeah, you know, I, I fucked up and, mm-hmm. and I trust him more because of that, yep. you know, so he's human. Yeah. He's human. Like, show me a guy with a perfectly clean background. I, I got, I want to peek in his closet a little deeper. Yeah. 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 So, and there's no such thing as perfect, you know, and in yeah. our vulnerability and in, in, in our messiness is where our humanness is, you yeah. know, it's what, it's what makes us unique. For yeah. sure. Yeah. yeah. Thank you, brother. Well, thank you for having me. It's been fun. Sit down and chat. Awesome. And drop in and yeah. For people who are interested in yeah. coming to your workshops, yeah. following you online, mm-hmm. where, where do you hang out? Where's the best place? You have a podcast as well. Yeah. So I started a podcast a couple months ago called pivot to purpose. Okay. And you know, I profile entrepreneurial men who have gone through some sort of adversity and come out of that, you know, creating something new of purpose. Uh, I host retreats. I got another one happening here in Costa Rica, April 9th and 16th. Awesome. Uh, and that company's called The Alive Experience and the website, thealiveexperience.com. And then my personal website, uh, which will soon be zarakfata.com. Uh, <laughs> we'll put it down notes. below. Yeah. It's currently zarakfata.com, but that'll be changing soon. And yeah, you know, I offer private one-to-one coaching with men. Um, and you're so on Instagram. Uh, on Instagram, yeah, at zarakfata, which will also be changed. <laughs> okay, we'll, uh, we'll put it in the but, show notes. But yeah, uh, yeah, Instagram, uh, Facebook, MySpace, you know. Really? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I just, Aged myself. Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Half the audience is like, what the fuck's my space? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> awesome, brother. I really appreciate it. Thank you again for yeah, coming thanks in. For having me. Yep. Cheers. This is Trevor Bohm signing off on another episode of the Uncivilized Podcast. If you enjoyed this, please give us a share. Give us a five-star rating on iTunes. And if you're interested in getting a hold of my book, Man Uncivilized, whether you're a man or a woman, please go to www.manuncivilized.com forward slash the book and get reading.